0: PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Out Live, we'll be featuring Josh Centers from Tidbits and Take Control Books. He has a book coming out now about iOS 8. We'll also hear from Rob Peguerrero, who writes for USA Today, Yahoo Tech, and other places, and will give you a wireless carrier buying guide. All this and more on the Tech Night Out Live. Ah! We have Josh Centers, the managing editor of Tidbits, joining us this week. And we've got a whole range of topics to talk about. But first of all, one of the issues that has arisen is a claim that people aren't updating to iOS 8 in the normal numbers for an apple mobile os upgrade because of various and sundry problems so josh centers is it a fatally flawed update or what
1: i don't think it's fatally flawed gene i think there's three issues at stake here the first is that the update is very large Um, it can take up to five gigabytes of free space before you have to install it and a lot of people have 16 gigabyte iphones that do not have that much free space. The second issue is that they shipped iOS eight with a lot of features missing, and uh, people are, I think, just waiting to see if the and a lot of bugs, and people are just waiting to. Just- for things to settle down and third yeah it's just there's a lot of bugs in it well and well really the third problem is that there's no standout feature to ios 8 like there was an ios 7. i'm actually uh, working on finishing a book right now um uh, ios 8 a take control crash course which you can pre-order at takecontrolbooks.com and well, the chat i'm sending I- the bill for this ad in a moment okay just <laughs> okay yeah just go, go ahead and send the invoice the problem I've had trying to sell the book, trying to describe the book is what's new in iOS 8. And the fact of the matter is that a lot of what's new is capabilities for developers. So a lot of the a lot of the really cool stuff you didn't see in the betas, um, which was another challenge in writing the book, is that access to a few of the The apps that were in beta, I got to see some of these cool new features before they were officially released. But that's just one of the problems with selling it to people. It's like, oh, people look at iOS 8. It looks just like iOS 7. It takes up a lot of space. And uh, I hear there's a lot of problems with it. So why should I update?
0: By the same token, it's not that the adoption rate is bad. It's just less than iOS 7. So, for example, as we do this show, and the numbers are certainly going to grow, by the time we have the show broadcast, close to half of all iOS users around the planet have adopted iOS 8 according to a place called Mixpanel, which does web metrics. Now, obviously the growth rate has slowed in recent days, but compared to any other operating system other than one from Apple, that's a pretty good number.
1: Yeah, it's a phenomenal number. It just uh, just doesn't meet up with uh, Apple's record. But compared to something like Android work, you know, in this amount of time, you'd be lucky to have 4% of people running the latest uh, OS. Yeah, it's pretty good.
0: But in this case, it's pretty decent. As you say, just the problem of doing this in-device update on a 16 gigabyte device, that is a problem because of all the extra space it requires. But you can still do those updates directly on your Mac or PC with iTunes and not worry about it.
1: That's true. I just think a lot of people either don't know how to do that or they've forgotten how to do it or they just hate iTunes. I personally use iTunes as little as possible because there's so many things wrong with it. Just to give an example, a lot of people, uh, a lot of my colleagues are recommending uh, before uh, upgrading iPhones, I had a 5, now I have a 6 to back up the iPhone 5 with iTunes as an encrypted backup and then to restore it. And then, uh, you know, in half the time of an iCloud backup, I'd have all my apps. I'd have my passwords. I won't have to wouldn't have to do anything. Just sync it and sync the new one and ready to go. I tried that and I, you know, I set iTunes up to back up all my apps on my Mac and take up tons of space that you know I could use for other things. And you know, then I go to check it and it's maybe synced half of them. And then I go to sync my iPhone 6 and it not only didn't carry the passwords over, it didn't carry like even half the apps that that had synced to my, of the half of the apps that synced to my computer. So I had like a quarter of the apps I was supposed to have. And uh, I finally just gave up and started fresh, uh, which I was kind of tempted to do anyway. But yeah, I, I, you know, I I mean, yeah, you can update through iTunes, but I think so many people have such a bad, have had so many bad experiences with it. They're reluctant to do that. And I don't really blame them.
0: Yes. I could see where that could become messy for some people. The other issue here, of course, was the, Flawed 8.0.1 update. So, if you had a brand new iPhone 6 or an iPhone 6 Plus and you downloaded that and installed that update, you'd lose your carrier connection and Touch ID would not work. Now, in Apple's defense, they did pull the thing in an hour or an hour and a quarter, but still, I think 40,000 iPhones were impacted. How could they let that mess get out the door?
1: Well, there is definitely some sort of failure in quality assurance at some point. And, and, you know, I've heard theories. I've heard supposedly what's inside scoop on things. Um, but, I mean, really, we don't know. It's But, yeah, it's, it's bad for Apple. It, they should be embarrassed by it. Hopefully they're taking steps to make sure that doesn't happen again. It, you know, if I had a guess, I would say there was probably a branch that, maybe an earlier branch that um, got out that wasn't supposed to get out. And that's that's my absolute best guess. Um, fortunately, I was able to avoid the update and warn a lot of people away from it. So, um, and, and they they fixed it fairly quick. But still, yeah, not a good
0: sign from Apple. So you're saying maybe they sent the wrong version out?
1: Yeah, possibly. I mean, that's just, that's a just spitballing though. That's that's just my
0: guess. Now there was a published report, and I haven't heard a confirmation. That the person in charge of the Q&A testing for the iOS 8 updates is the same person responsible for Q&A testing for Maps back in 2012 when that was a big mess. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was that person, I'd be writing up a resume real fast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's it's funny you mentioned that. We had originally linked to that um, article and we had some complaints and, and I, I think the complaints had a valid point in that you should we really be blaming a middle, publicly blaming a middle manager for this sort of stuff? And we ended up retracting um, that linked article we post, we published in Tidbits. Uh, we actually didn't make it to the mail issue. It was just on the web. But we ended up retracting that just because, you know, some, pe- some people we, we work with and respect were like, no, nah, that's, that's not really cool. You know, really the people, the only people you can really publicly blame are the people at the top. And I concur with that. And, um, you know, so if, if that is the case, that's an internal matter for you know
0: Apple and and uh, the higher up managers and human resources to sort out. I understand. And the thing to bear in mind also is that when Microsoft sends out a bad update and they do, do we blame the middle managers who headed Q&A?
1: You know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where the failure is. Um, you know, Apple kind of has a iron curtain surrounding it we don't really know what goes on inside there i i think i think part of the problem with all these updates is that they bit off more than they could chew and i mean they finally got to the point where they could you know, walk and shoot bubble gum with OS 10 and iOS updates. And then I think they got a little carried away with syncing all these things together in iOS eight and OS 10 Yosemite, you know, all these continuity features thing, uh, iCloud drive, things like that. But then they also had a firm, um, Production date on on the on the iPhone hardware. So they're trying to sync a version of OS ten, uh, a version of the Apple TV software, also iOS and um, an iPhone all at the same time. I, th- I think they just had too many plates spinning, and some things got dropped. Um, iOS eight shipped uh, a little underbaked and some of these you know continuity features they had been planning on just uh, weren't where they sh- wanted them to be or should have been. And frankly, they didn't quite plan for that. Like, look at the mess with iCloud Drive. If you upgrade to iCloud Drive and iOS 8, you suddenly can't access or sync with those iCloud documents on a computer running OS ten Mavericks unless you upgrade to the Yosemite open beta.
0: Now, and- we can go into that in a moment because okay. this was a big miss, I think, on Apple's part, not having these two releases in sync. And we'll get into more of that in a moment. We have Josh Centers. He's managing editor of Tidbits. Go to tidbits.com, and he's finishing up a book on iOS 8. That's got to be a lot of fun. More to come on the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> legendary to cash in on this special deal at Namecheap.com. Namecheap.com.
3: Making the right decisions is a challenge to investors. Are we going to see economic growth slide into a recession or at worst depression? Hi, Ted Anderson from Midas Resources. We all know when a company acts irresponsibly, divesting ourselves in a move towards safety is prudent. When the market becomes volatile, U.S. Treasuries are a safe haven. But what do you do when the U.S. government overextends itself and spends beyond its means? Many investors are turning toward gold is a common sense alternative to traditional paper investments. Midas Resources has put together a powerful book titled 10 Reasons to Own Gold discussing costs, benefits, risks featuring full color illustrations, weights and measures. The book is free and can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. Paper investments are dwarfed by gold's 6,000 year history. Discover how gold may be right for you and your IRA by calling 800-686-2237. Whether buying or it's time for you to sell. The book is free. Call 800-686-2237.
4: Summertime is save big time at Herbal Healer Academy. Long-term customers know summer is the time to stock up at herbalhealer.com. And for new customers, welcome to the web's best place to save on vitamins, minerals, and more. Log on for summer specials, including all sizes of colloidal silver, colloidal minerals, and intestinal freedom on sale. Choose from Herbal Healer's great variety of weight loss products like apple cider vinegar, hootia, and metabolic complex and pro-metabolic all on sale now. Also, the anti-parasite intestinal freedom and wormwood plus complex plus stevia liquid sweetener and the super enzymes all on sale for summer at herbalhealer.com. As always, we offer certificate correspondence courses in natural medicine. Enjoy same-day shipping and free online newsletter. Log on now to HerbalHealer.com and look for summer specials to save big with our nation's leader in supplying quality natural medicine and education. Since 1988, Herbal Healer Academy.
5: I will never forget the day my son Jeremy told me he hated me and slammed the door in my face. I'm behavioral therapist Janet Lehman, Behavior problems can turn the child you love and your life into a nightmare. That's why my husband James and I created the Total Transformation, the step-by-step program that shows you how to fix the worst behavior problems and get your child to respect and listen to you again. No matter what the behavior, defiance, backtalk, angry outbursts, disrespect, we can help you stop it. Now you can get the Total Transformation for free. All you need to do is get the program and let us know how it works for you. You can keep it forever for free.
6: Limited number of free programs available. Call now. 1-888-912-1595. 1-888-912-1595. That's 1-888-912-1595. 1-888-912-1595.
0: Josh Centers is joining us this week on the Tech How Live. He's from Tidbits, managing editor, and we're talking about unbaked Apple releases. Maybe they are not well done, but medium rare or something like that, however we say. But part of the problem here also is putting the two releases in sync, because for continuity and handoff to work properly, it's not just iPad to iPhone, it is iPhone, iPad, et cetera, to Mac. But that requires OS 10 Yosemite, which is still, as we speak, it's still in beta stage. They have the Golden Master 2 release, and it's not out yet. Now, in all fairness, Apple has a special event. We'll talk about it later, confirmed for the 16th of October, Thursday. So we kind of expect Yosemite will be out. But so we have this disconnect right here, a month between the two releases that depend upon one another. The second problem is for handoff, where you can like start a message on your Mac and continue on your iPad or something, for that to work, you need a feature called Bluetooth LE on your Mac. But Macs before 2011 and 2012 do not support that feature. How could they have allowed that to happen, Josh?
1: There's no, really no excuse for the, the Bluetooth requirement. I mean, they could at least sell a dongle or allow Bluetooth dongles to be used. But it appears that if it's not built in, Handoff won't work with those Macs, which includes mine, which is annoying. And uh, just to clarify, though, you can use Handoff between iOS 8 devices, which is something I mentioned in the book. You know, I can um, open up Safari on one and pull up the same web page on the other. I can pull up a web page on my iPad and then pulled up on my iPhone using handoff that works right now, but it's frustrating that they've limited it to only the latest max. Cause it seems like it's such a big feature and something they really want to sell, but also it's, it's an incentive to upgrade. And that seems to be, you know, if I were to guess, I would say that's probably the main business reason behind that.
0: Yeah. Well, I did mention at the beginning of my long statement that you can go from iPad to iPhone, et cetera. So we understand. Ah, okay. So that's something that could have been thought better. And as you say, with Bluetooth LE, a $5 dongle will do it. But probably it requires a kernel extension to work with the operating system. I would think at the worst, Apple would allow a third party to do that. We don't know yet. It hasn't been announced. It hasn't even been officially admitted yet by Apple. I mean, there's no reference on the site that explains that. That explains that this can be done. This is part of the picture. This is a limitation, which is very unfortunate. And maybe, yeah, I understand... The hardware issues but supporting a third-party dongle maybe apple doesn't want to get into supporting third-party gear but they could sell one themselves
1: yeah exactly well and the weird thing is is handoff works through icloud so i'm not quite sure what they're using bluetooth for because you have to have both devices on the same icloud account so that's it's a bit of voodoo there i'm not quite i'm <laughs> not quite sure what what's going on there it, it seems like a I'm not sure if it's a valid requirement. I mean, I'm guessing it's probably a way to like ping a nearby device or something of that nature. But I, I don't see why they couldn't just do all this through iCloud.
0: We'll have to get Craig Federighi to explain to us. That's part of the problem, of course, too. When you see any Apple personality interviewed, nobody who asks those questions has the guts to ask a hard question because they're afraid Apple will either walk out or not do any more interviews.
1: Yeah, that's that can be frustrating because especially we've seen so many Apple executive interviews lately. They've been a lot more open to the press, but no one ever seems to really ask the tough questions. But then you can have things like if you saw the cover of the Bloomberg Business Week with Tim Cook on it, with that ridiculous Lisa Frank looking design over his picture, which if I were Tim Cook, that would irritate me because it seems that kind of it seemed like it was kind of mocking him. So, you know, if you're going to to that kind of trouble anyway why not just you know, ask him some tough questions ask him you know why things aren't you know firing on all on all cylinders and it's a perfectly valid question i mean I, I and for the record i think tim cook's doing a fantastic job i think he's uh he's achieving a lot of things at apple that uh he should be very proud of but at the same time yeah there's there are problems and i think he's trying to address them but uh yeah questions do need to be asked and apple has to have a certain amount of accountability to its users
0: Also, Tim Cook is a smart guy. I don't think there's any question you could ask him that he couldn't answer in a reasonable way, as long as it's a logical question and not a stupid insult or something. So if anything, he looks better sitting there and being interrogated by somebody who can ask really difficult questions and just laying it out. Yeah. And well, I think even cook probably gets tired of people just
1: wasting his time because it seems like every there's a big interview with him. people are always like, so why are you working on next? And he's like, <laughs> I can't tell you it, it, that has to get old. It has to get old constantly being a question being asked questions that you can't answer. And, you know, the person asking them knows you can't answer them. He, although an interesting thing about cook is that he he lets on a little more than I think even he realizes, unless it's just very carefully planned, like, um, at last year i think it was last year's wasn't d conference it was recode wasn't it where he was talking about how the wrist is interesting and kind of clued off the apple watch so i'm not i'm not sure if he does those things on purpose which he very may, very well may or if he's just so excited about the things they're work they're working on that he can't
0: entirely contain it who knows with that but i still think that we shouldn't be fearful of executives I mean, look at people in the White House, like the press secretary is being insulted by the media all the time. When Obama gets up there, they ask him some pretty difficult questions too sometimes that he has to answer. No one's being shy. So he's a corporate executive. Ask him the questions. You know, see what happens. Any case here. So we see the missteps here. OS 10 Yosemite, and iOS 8 not in sync. And I understand that you can't have such big projects under development and have them work together. Because we see with iOS 8, they had to get that thing out because they're releasing new iPhones. It's Apple's biggest product and possibly their biggest product introduction because demand is off the charts. So the operating system had to get out there and therefore maybe they were just a little bit rushed.
1: Yeah, I, I think that would be the key word to describe it. They were they were rushed, um, but they don't really have to be. I mean, they could have shipped an iPhone six, the iOS seven. And I don't think the world would have ended. I mean, heck, Apple Pay, which is one of the big features of the iPhone six, if not the biggest feature, of the iPhone six won't be available until maybe next week, maybe even longer. Um, so. You know, why not hold off? Why not hold off until it's all done? You know, um, I wouldn't have cried if I got an iPhone with iOS 7. You know, it, it looks the same. It mostly functions the same other than all these great new developer capabilities. You know, yeah, just ship it like that. Release iOS 8 when it's done. Make, you know, that will make people happier.
0: Looking at iOS 8, and you've got to know as much about it as anyone because you're writing the book, and we'll frame the question now and then in our next segment, you can answer. So we look at iOS 8 and we know about the big tentpole features, some of which require third-party apps or features, some of which aren't even working yet. What do you think overall are the best things about it before we get to the worst things and not the bugs, of course? Josh Centers is here. I'm Gene Steinberg here in the Tech Night Out Live.
8: (laughs)
9: Free from the shackles of corporate America. We're the place for independent thinkers.
2: G.C.N.
10: Question, could too many GMO foods and toxins be overloading your digestive and immune systems? Answer, yes. If you're searching for a powerful detox that's gentle enough to use every day, use Pro-EM-1 from Terragonics. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic that uses good bacteria to suppress pathogens and gently eliminate toxins from your body. A healthy digestive system will cleanse and remove toxins, support weight loss, improve absorption of food nutrients, and aid in controlling yeast and other infections. Pro-EM-1 is made with only non-GMO and certified organic ingredients, has no preservatives, and is dairy, soy, wheat, and gluten-free. Pro-EM-1 is the key to your digestive health. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terragonics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Also available through Amazon Prime. Pro-EM-1 from TerraGanics. Life's getting better.
11: If you need to say happy birthday, happy anniversary, thank you, or simply, I'm thinking of you, ProFlowers.com is the key. ProFlowers has stunning bouquets, like the best-selling 100 Blooms for $19.99. Plus, ProFlowers will include a glass vase for free. Sending someone a wonderful surprise of beautiful flowers sent fresh from the field is easy. Choose the bouquet you like, pick the delivery date, and each order is 100% guaranteed. Plus, all bouquets from ProFlowers are guaranteed to last at least seven full days beautiful fragrant flowers picked fresh and sent to your loved one for lasting enjoyment to get this incredible savings and send someone 100 gorgeous blooms with a free vase for 19 dollars go to proflowers.com click the blue microphone in the top right corner and enter code plow that's proflowers.com click the mic and enter code plow
6: live with gene steinberg it's the tech night owl because you never know what's going to happen next
0: we have josh centers of tidbits where he is managing editor finishing work on his ios book which is one of those take control books so let's take control Of ios 8 what do you think are the most important features that people really ought to consider when upgrading
1: i think the single most it's less of a feature more of a philosophy in ios 8 apple has opened up a lot of that walled garden they've had built up for so long and they've given developers some amazing capabilities that they've wanted for years. And if you moved to iOS from, say, Android or Windows phone, you might have missed. Um, for example, my first my first smartphone was actually a Droid. The very first, you know, remember, Droid. Um,
0: Droid. Under, yeah. Droid. <laughs> so, you know, I used to say every time I'd hear that commercial, I'd say, "Drac,
13: Drak. <laughs> Drak. <laughs>
1: yeah it was it was a pretty bad phone i i ended up paying an etf to get an iphone but uh i digress so one of the cool things i loved about android despite all of its other flaws is that if you're viewing say a a page in a web browser you could open a share menu and you could send that web page to evernote or you could send it to you know any other app you wanted basically you could tweet it all that i got the ios and it was like okay well you can copy and paste it into something and later on you could share with a limited selection of services like Twitter and Facebook. Well, now in iOS 8, app developers can create extensions for other apps. For example, um, in Safari and iOS 8, you can send a web page to Instapaper. You just tap the share menu. Um, you might have to enable Instapaper first, but you just tap Instapaper, and it gets added to, to your reading list there. Um, let's say now 1Password is probably the best example of The power of iOS 8, because in iOS 8, not only do you have the browser extensions, but developers can use touch ID, which which is just amazing. So, um, you know, I got to a Web page. I get to a Web page login in Safari. I tap the share menu. I tap one password. It asks me to to scan my fingerprint. I do that. It looks up the password in one pass. It looks up the login in one password. I tap it, fills it in. I log in just like on Safari on the Mac, actually cooler because I can use my fingerprint, right? You know, if you use Evernote to take web clippings and things like that, you can now very easily do that in Safari. That also extends to other things. For example, um, photos, you can use third party uh, editing plugins, which I'm just now, you know, just now dabbling with because those have been a little slower, but those are really cool. Like if you use camera plus and you like the filters and things in that, you can use those direct, you can apply those directly in photos. Probably the most obvious new thing out of this is it's a whole new app category, and that's third party keyboards, which we're just seeing the very tip of the iceberg of what developers are going to do with this stuff because it's really amazing. So in Android, for what seems like forever, um, developers could create their own system keyboard um, and that you can now do that on iOS. So you can have things like swipe where you uh, drag your finger across the keyboard to spell out a word instead of just typing, of tapping things out. You know, you have things like Swift key uh, text expander has their own keyboard where you can use those snippets anywhere in iOS, which is pretty amazing. There's a, there are keyboards that can type in animated gifs. There's one called emoji plus plus, which it, it actually replaces the emoji keyboard that Apple has with something that works much better that, you know, you don't have to tap through all these pages of things. You can just, scroll through a list add things to favorites all that i'm getting more stuff like um, I, I posted an article on tidbits about this and now developers are emailing me all kinds of stuff they're working on i've never seen so much excitement from developers for things like there's a keyboard that um, i can't remember the name but it translates language for you in real time like you type in english and it turns it into spanish so it's it's just amazing it's just amazing what uh, developers are doing with this stuff and it's it's early days a lot of these are Kind of flaky, there. Are things Apple could improve, but th- that's the gist of iOS eight. That's the real sales pitch for iOS eight. Is that you're not going to see the improvements immediately out of the box. Oh, almost forgot today view widgets. So you've you heard people talking about widgets in Android. Well, Apple now has their own implementation, and it's in. If you pull out in the notification center, um, if you look in the today view, they've had widgets there for a while. They've had like weather and stocks, things like that. Well, now developers can create their own. For instance, PC Calc, which is a very respected, it's been development for 20 years or so on the Mac. So now the iOS version, you can put a, uh, that calculator in your notification center. So you can just pull that down and do your calculations. Um, Evernote has one where you can pull it down. You can you know quickly add any kind of note you want. Uh, another app I like, um, since I have a phone that has uh, an M8 uh, motion processor now, is, uh, it's called Pedometer Plus Plus. It's actually from the same developer as uh, Emoji Plus Plus that I mentioned earlier. But he has a Today View widget. So you pull that down, you see how many steps you've taken in a day uh, with your iPhone without having to open the app. So all that stuff is just really cool. And it brings a lot of this power that Android has had for years to iOS. But it does it in a very Apple kind of way. It does it in a user-friendly way, in a way that isn't going to be overly intrusive. On you or overly complicated. That's what I'm excited about with iOS 8, and and that's why I think once all the the smoke clears and things are settled down, then um you know it's going to be a really fantastic update, and it, it will change the way we work in iOS 8. It's going to make it much more capable, much more powerful. People who are used to all these crazy workarounds in iOS to try to get things done, you don't need a lot of those anymore. They're they're just built right in. You can just use them and. Uh, as developers figure out how to really make the most out of this stuff, you're going to see some really cool things.
0: So this is very much a potential, not so much you see visible changes, but the potential for other things to happen, which will manifest themselves over time. And that makes it a little bit less compelling, but still half the user base is upgrading within three weeks or so. That's not bad at all. That's a pretty decent number may not be quite the number of iOS 7. And maybe part of the problem is that people who upgraded to iOS 7 with all the interface changes and everything, that soured them on a new version for a while.
1: That's possible. But I also think a lot of people were quick to upgrade to iOS 7 because they were curious about the interface changes. And I I think, you know, there was some negativity at first, but it seems like a lot of people who were initially negative have turned around on that or at least gotten used to it um i I really i I think the key problem is just how large the update is Uh, my wife's still on ios 7 and part of the reason is is because she has too much space used up on her phone with photos and we have tried to offload the photos to iPhoto, and that's not doing the job so i'm gonna have to sit down and really figure out the problem at some point um so so then after that i can do an iCloud backup and then i can finally go on ios 8
0: it doesn't work in itunes for your
8: wife
1: Uh, I haven't tried the iTunes update. Like I said, I don't really trust iTunes at at this point. I'm just trying to move the photos off the phone. She has several gigs of of baby photos and things like that. I'm trying to get those onto her Mac so I can back up iCloud again, because I do like to back up the camera roll since she doesn't use um, any kind of like cloud sync solution for her photos. So, yeah, it's, just, it's it's a pain. And, you know, people have better things to do than upgrade their phones and their operating systems and stuff. And so if there's any kind of friction there, people are just going to wait, wait to do it. And, and I think uh, another question that should be asked is how many people are choosing not to upgrade old devices? You know, you know they, Apple sold 10 million iPhones in the first weekend. A lot of people are buying new iPhones. Maybe they're saying, hey, there's no need to upgrade the iPhone 5. I'm, I'm not going to worry about clearing off this space. I'm just going to buy the new one. It's going to have the new OS. and I don't have to worry about it. And then we'll move on
0: from there. I made kind of a prediction. And sometimes my predictions are true. The last one being that Apple would make OS ten free, which they did beginning last year. OK, so... I was suggesting here that since we had 91% adoption rate with iOS 7, with iOS 8, maybe it's going to be 75 or 80%, part of which is that people will not upgrade their older hardware, but as sales continue to increase of the iPhone 6, it will make up at least some of that difference. That's a little bit of speculation on my part, and we'll have to see where we take that speculation and what we do with it. But in any case, let me tell our listeners that we're talking to Josh Center's He's managing editor, one of the big muckety-mucks over at Tidbits. In fact, Adam Inks and Tanya Inks are the chief muckety-mucks. And I'm Gene Steinberg. I just muck things up here on the Tech Night Out Live. UnseenNow.com, proud sponsor
9: of GCN. Unseen Now's unparalleled encryption tools. Keep your communications secure.
0: G-C-N.
14: foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Call 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335.
15: Have you ever noticed how many sick and miserable people there are? I'm serious. I'm talking about people of all ages who have conditions and diseases which affect their quality of life. Most of them seem to have one thing in common, polypharmacy. That is dependence on multiple prescription drugs with side effects that actually make them sicker and sicker, not healthy. The good news is that people are waking up to the fact that if you supply your body with all of the nutrients it requires, you will feel better, be healthier, and have a better life. It's important to know that Beyond Tangy Tangerine is the the most amazing, great tasting, comprehensive nutritional supplement. Besides supplying all the vitamins our bodies need, it also supplies the necessary minerals that are required for the vitamins to kick in. Look, folks, I'm hooked on it, and I think if you try it, you'll become hooked. This stuff really works. That's why I'm urging you to make it part of your daily health regimen. Visit InfoWarsTeam.com to secure your canister of Beyond Tangy Tangerine today. Sign up for auto ship and save on shipping costs. That's Beyond Tangy Tangerine at InfoWarsTeam.com.
8: Yeah?
16: You see me, sir? Well, I did, but now that I do, I'm not so sure. Sir? Johnson, I got a mission for you that could change your life. Oh, good, sir. It involves traveling halfway around the world without so much as half a clue of where you're going or what you're going to do when you get there. Situation normal, sir? Uh-huh. But right, I'll be leading this mission, Johnson, so I'll be telling you what to do. You, sir? That's right, Johnson, and I say first things first. Oh, good plan, sir. And what I say is first is food. Always remember that, Johnson. Food is a big deal. Sir, my brother-in-law can guess a really good deal on some surplus MREs. Johnson, if you've got half a brain and that empty head of yours, you'll call the Freeze-Dry Guy, like I did. That food is better for you. It rehydrates faster, and it's good, Johnson. And it keeps for up to 30 years. Will we be gone that long, sir? Well, I hope not. Now get your supplies organized and meet me down to the pier at dawn on Sunday. We sail at sunrise. Yes, sir. This adventure is brought to you by the Freeze-Dry Guy. Call 866-404-3663 or visit freeze dry
4: know
6: what's going to happen next well here's the tech night owl live with gene steinberg
0: We have Josh Centers of Tidbits and Take Control Books. Of course, he's written a book on iOS 8, so he knows everything about it. So we're talking about the best stuff, a lot of it being the third-party stuff, the keyboards, the extensions, all this add-on stuff that's going to come to the fore as things progress and maybe still attract people with older hardware to upgrade. What do you think? Other than the features that aren't implemented because of integration with OS 10 Yosemite, what do you think are the worst parts of iOS 8, Josh?
1: The worst parts, well, obviously the bugs and the half completed features. Um, I, I, th- I think it would have been much better to wait until Yosemite was done. And that way, like you wouldn't have, I've had a lot of people commenting on tidbits articles and emailing me saying, hey, upgrade to iCloud Drive. Now I can't sync my stuff or I can't access my documents. And that's, that's completely unacceptable. And people had a hard enough time trusting iCloud And at this point, I don't know how I could recommend anyone store their data in iCloud other than backups. I'm I'm really a fan of the backup system. So that was a huge misfire. Overall, I'm pretty happy with it. I think one thing they could have done better is the implementation of third-party keyboards. And they go, I I have an article I uh, published uh, recently in Tidbits that goes through the details of third-party keyboards. But to kind of give you the gist, first of all, I wish there were more granular privacy controls. But more importantly, just as a usability thing, um, they need to have a easier way to switch between the keyboards. Because right now, if you're on the system keyboard, if you hold down the next keyboard button, you get a popover list of all the keyboards you have installed. So you choose third party one. Now you press that button again. What happens? Well, if you hold it down, you're not going to get the popover because that Apple doesn't give developers access to that. So you have to switch one at a time and there's no unified way for doing this. So sometimes the button will move. Sometimes the action you need will be different. Sometimes you just tap the button. Sometimes you have to hold it down. Sometimes you have to hold it down and then there's a popover and you have to select the next keyboard button from that. So it's it's very um, confusing when you're trying to switch between keyboards and you can't do it quickly unless you just memorize this, uh, you know, the pattern (laughs) that that you've set up with keyboards. So I think it's very annoying. Also, the button could look different. You know, in in some cases, it looks like a globe. Usually it looks like a globe. But like on the text expander keyboard, it looks like the smile logo. You, You might not even know what to tap. Actually, in fact, Apple doesn't even have any kind of specification for that. It could be a gesture. You know, you may not even have. A, uh, a, a button to switch between keyboards, you might have to like draw something on the screen and you may not know that immediately. Um, now, at this point, that's purely theoretical. It's within the realm of possibility. Those are things Apple needs to tweak on the third party keyboard front. And one of the problems is uh, with keyboards that I alluded to earlier is they have two settings for each keyboard. There's regular access and then there's full access. Now what full access does, it lets that keyboard, which sits in its own container, its own sandbox container. When you enable full access, it can talk to other apps, usually its own app. So for instance, text expander needs full access because it that keyboard needs to be able to talk to the text expander app so it can access the database of your snippets so it knows when I type xtb that means I want to type out tidbits, right? But the problem is once it has access to that app, it can do anything. I mean, it can do anything, anything an app can do that keyboard can do. So just hypothetically, if uh, a keyboard developer wanted to log every single thing you type on a keyboard and send it to their servers and log it, they can do that. Um, There are supposedly some safeguards in place to prevent this. Um, Apple says it will reject any app that does that. But the fact is, once it's on a third party server, they're not going to know, you know, just just what's happened there. You know, also, the, you know, there's all these developer guidelines about how you should not do things like that. You know, you need to develop user trust, but there's no. But I don't I don't trust things like that. I trust, you know, hard technical capabilities. And right now, uh, when you enable full access in these keyboards, that is something that can potentially happen. I don't think it will. I think Apple is going to be very wary of these things, but Apple does make mistakes. I mean, they've let jailbreak apps uh, leak through the app store. So, I mean, these things happen. So that's something to be wary of. You, and, you know, before you enable full access on a keyboard, you need to make sure you trust the developer. I trust Smile. They've been in this business a long time. They charge five bucks for their text expander app. They have an actual business model. Um, they have a golden reputation. Um, you know, I know some of the people there. I know I know the founder. So I, I'm OK with turning on full access for that keyboard. But some some other keyboards, I'm not like Swift key. I'm frankly a little suspicious of um, they don't have a real ru- Real clear business model. Uh, the keyboard is free, and, and they want to do kind of creepy things like you know they they offer to log into your Gmail and your and your Twitter to yes. monitor all your stuff to figure out your typing patterns. Which I can see the argument for that, but uh, I uh, no thank you. Uh, of course, you know if you're listening to this, it's your call. It's your call about who you trust and what you trust with. I'm just I'm relaying my own. Um, suspicions and maybe I'm paranoid, you know, maybe I'm whatever you want to call it. But um, that that's my concern. That's my own personal concern.
0: All right. Let's talk about this here. SwiftKey. Now, SwiftKey is free. So the question I have to ask here, it's a free app. How does the company make its money?
1: Okay, so, of course, they have investments, but it seems like the main business model they've moved toward on Android is selling in-app purchases um selling additional capabilities and they've they've talked about doing advertising now i've been told they're abandoning the you know they're not really pursuing the advertising thing and apple in their um in their app store review guidelines says no advertising in extensions that's you know not allowed which thanks i'm thankful for that because that could be really annoying really quick so it's a little murky. I'm not quite sure how they plan to make money in not iOS. I'm guessing probably in-app purchases at some point. But, you know, of course, the, the paranoid side of me says they could probably just, you know, using this information they're gathering for something else, advertising or who knows what else. You know, all the more reason I, I'm suspicious of that keyboard. Um,
0: By I'm the way, su- I want to correct one thing. It's Facebook and Google+. Plus.
1: I, oh, I'm sorry. That
0: you give access to.
1: But now it can It can read your Gmail. When you give it access to Google+, right, they, of course. they specify, yeah. Um, okay, so it's Facebook. Either way, still, um, still, to me, a little spooky.
0: I agree. I think that's a little bit much. I tried SwiftKey, and it offers its own predictive keyboard like QuickType. Also offers a swipe-style keyboard, which I have no interest in. In fact, you can explain that to me because I just don't get it. It's something I guess you have to get accustomed to. But I look at this thing as a keyboard. I didn't see it being any better than Apple's keyboard. And I think if you want a keyboard alternative, you want to consider something that's better. I understand it's free. You lose nothing by trying it. And certainly you have a right to be concerned over whether it should link to your Facebook and Google Plus account, especially Google although i'm not trusting facebook that much either but let's get to that question here too with regard to the swipe keyboard where instead of tapping you're kind of sliding to type is that easy to get used to uh,
8: i
1: you know i think with all these keyboards it's it's very personal and I know some people who just love swipe to death or, or love things like it. Swipe was the original SwiftKey borrowed the feature and uh, other keyboard developers have borrowed it. And I'm sure you'll see those in iOS soon. Um, it just depends. I, I but the funny thing is I know people who have, um, <laughs> adopted it, but suddenly I, you know, they tweet about, Oh, swipe is awesome. And next thing I know, I see tons of typos in their tweets. Um, you know, so it's one of those things. Maybe it's not right for you. I don't think it's right for me. It feels weird to me. It doesn't feel efficient. Um, but I will say if you if you want to check that sort of thing out, I would spend the 99 cents on swipe because they're the first to do it. The guy behind Swipe invented T9 text input for you know old school cell phones, and it, it works the best. It works surprisingly well. Um, very accurate. Um, the problem I always have with swipe is that. I'll just kind of, you know, um, very sloppily <laughs> kind of write things out and without paying enough attention. And I, I find just in general, it takes more more of my attention to make sure I'm swiping over the correct letters than just typing it out. Uh, well, because you also you, you lose that feedback aspect, right? While you're you're typing, you see the letters. You know, you can self-correct if you start to spell something wrong, if you need to look at look at it and be reminded of what you're spelling. uh, with Swipe, you're just it's a different it's different visual there. It's you know, you don't get the same kind of feedback.
0: So the thing to mention, too, of course, is that up until now, swipe was a feature on Android smartphones, So they'd use that as a means to say, look, Android is better. We got swipe, whether you like it or not. Josh Centers is here. I got more. Present to you from Josh, and we have a little bit later on Rob Peguerrero of USA Today. More to come on the Tech Night How Live. Independently leading the
9: way for the nation. Compelling talk for every political persuasion. We are GCN.
17: Hi, I'm Sam Nussbaum, Wellpoint's Chief Medical Officer. We proudly support the March of Dimes mission to improve the health of babies and fight premature birth. We're helping the March of Dimes fund breakthroughs in research and community programs that help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in working together to provide children with a healthier start in life. Visit marchofdimes.org.
7: Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
0: We have Josh Centers of Tidbits and Take Control Books discussing... The swipe keyboard. So do you think that be part of the attraction is that it was something Apple didn't support completely on iOS up until iOS 8, but you could get it with an Android? It's kind of like, you know, the large screen displays. Now, maybe there are trade-offs. We know, for example, that your friend and mine, Kirk McElhern, bought an iPhone 6 and the screen was too large for him. He returned it. He's going to keep his iPhone 5S. So the point being here, swipe keys, hype. It's on Android. It's a feature Apple didn't have.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think that's really what it comes down to. And I I think Apple resisted for a long time because there are some very obvious um, potential problems with with these third-party keyboards uh, in terms of usability and security and privacy. But they're also kind of at the point with iOS where it's like, where do we go now? And it seems like, to me, iOS 8 was mostly about... Comparing its Android and checking off the the boxes that Android had, that iOS did not. And, and for the most part, I actually think that was a pretty good move, and I'm pretty pleased with it. Um, there are some bumps in that. Now, of course, you don't have to use these keyboards. It's just an option, you know, and, and that's sort of the difference between Tim Cook's Apple and the Steve Jobs Apple is that Tim Cook's a people pleaser. He wants to make you happy. He wants to give you what you want. Just to give an example Safari and iOS 8, and this is one of my favorite features, now supports DuckDuckGo. Actually, um, Safari on the desktop does this now, too, even in Mavericks with the recent update. Now, DuckDuckGo is a smaller search engine than Google. I've been petitioning Apple for years to include it because it, it will, first of all, including it would be another thumb against Google. And also, DuckDuckGo is much better about privacy than Google. I have an article on Tidbits that goes into detail on all this stuff. Um but, you know, I was told, uh, actually, I, I debated this with John Gruber of Daring Fireball on Twitter, and he said, and I agree with him at the time that DuckDuckGo just did not have the money to pay Apple enough to have that coveted spot in iOS or in, on the Mac. By the default, there, was pl- there were plugins on, uh, on the Mac. But you know what? Uh, Tim Cook's Apple caved and like, hey, look, no, here, here you go. Here's a great new option. This is us helping protect your privacy. And of course, you know, without saying it, it's another, uh, you know, uh, rude gesture to Google. So, you know, that's great. And I know, you know, that's why overall, despite some bumps in the road, despite some problems, I'm very positive in Apple's direction. Uh, and I think Tim Cook's taking it in good places.
0: Now, Apple has a special event on the 16th of October, confirmed today, although Recode presented the hint last week. Apple's invitation says it's been way too long. So the question I have, it's been way too long for what?
1: Well, it's been way too long since iOS 8 was released and all the features
0: have come to pass. Maybe it's way too long for all the features to work. So iOS 8.1 will come out next week, but that's not go. it. It's not about OS 10 Yosemite, which would be coming out about a year after last year's OS 10 update. So what? The fact that they haven't had an update for the Mac mini in two years. That's not worth that.
1: I, I think it's multiple things. Um, sure. it's, been, it's been a couple of years since we've seen a new iPod touch. It's been a couple of years since we've seen a new Mac mini and several years since it's been redesigned. Uh, it's been three years since the new Apple TV that came out with the second generation in 2010, the third generation in 2011. Um, so I think those are three things we're likely to see. We're overdue for an Apple TV, or we're overdue for a Mac Mini. Or we're overdue for an iPod. Of course, I think uh, new iPads will also be a thing. Um, and Siri has activated herself. <laughs> okay, uh, and, another uh, bug and uh, problem with iOS eight. So those are the things I'm kind of looking for. Of course, I wrote take control of Apple TV, so I'm anxious to see what they do there. I'm actually eyeballing a new uh, mac mini so i'm hope i'm really hoping to come out with something with some kind of redesigned model that that's more like a like a mac mini air that has an ssd a thin profile things like that I, i'm sure they've been working on something like that for a while of course we'll see a new ipad of some kind uh probably ipad air 2 ipad mini retina two whatever i would anticipate touch id on those probably thinner probably have the the apple pay thing built in although the at least in the mini might be a little silly in the air Mm, let's see mac mini uh apple you know apple tv we've discussed before um a lot of ways that go with that i think uh probably something with a an a7 or an a8 processor them i mean they might use the last generation a7 in it um, probably will support 4K, um, probably have some deals with cable companies, that sort of thing. Um, I would in fact, I would even anticipate a new Apple remote at this point. And the reason I say that is after seeing the Apple watch, I think they've been thinking about a lot of ways to refine um that's that's sort of input. You know, I so I'm just so here's something I'm just gonna throw out on your show, Gene. Um crazy Okay, guys,
0: I'm go. ready to catch it. Throw it out. All right. All right. Uh, he remote. doesn't mean throw it up, I mean throw it out. Okay. Throw it out, throw it out. Okay. Um
1: Apple Remote with a digital crown. And perhaps a new, well, they've just redesigned the Apple TV interface. I doubt they do it again, but I bet, I I wouldn't be surprised if at some point we have that bubble kind of interface you can zoom in and out of. Um, But I do anticipate uh, some sort of app store announced for Apple TV. Now, this can take a couple of forms. Um, It could just take the form of there is an app store on your Apple TV and you buy apps through that and it downloads them. That's one way. That's the way we've always thought it would be done. But as uh, Moises Chilouin, I'm probably mispronouncing his name, but as he um, mentioned on Twitter, and I think he's he's probably going in the right direction with this, it could be more like the Apple Watch. Where the Apple TV itself will not have an app store, but developers will be able to add extensions, um, Apple TV extensions for their apps for the iPhone, iPad, and you will somehow be able to project those to your Apple TV through something else that isn't AirPlay and use those as if they were native Apple TV apps and control them with your, with your device somehow. That's that's my shot in the dark. That's my guess, um, but based on some of the things we've seen from Apple, based on what they're working on with the Apple Watch, because we're starting to see two tiers of Apple device. We're starting to see the the standalone device and the accessory device, and and really, Apple's had this for a long time. You know, it used to be the Mac and the iPod. You know, then it was the Mac and the iPhone. Now the iPhone is more or less its own standalone computer, especially with iOS eight, especially with the capabilities of iOS eight. Now we're seeing things that you know, or more accessories like Apple TV, um, Apple Watch, things that can do some functions on their own, but they're much, much better, much more powerful when paired with a primary
0: device. Now, my problem with Apple TV, the way it is now, and I compare it to Roku, as you add more and more channels, it gets more and more confusing. Now, Roku, what they do is they let you search across apps. So if you're looking for a particular movie, say, I want to see the last Captain America movie, I want to rent it. They'll give you options. Obviously, with Apple, it's just iTunes. But the point is, if multiple carriers or content services have the same stuff, you can do a search that's agnostic and will simply list what they are. But the question here is, can that interface of multiple channels be simplified? Because at least if you are using your cable or satellite listings, it's one interface covering all the channels you have. But with Apple TV and with Roku, and I guess with Chromecast and I guess also with the Fire TV, you're dealing here with multiple interfaces, each of which may have separate channels or offerings. And it gets to be pretty complicated.
1: Yeah, and that's a good point. Um, I, I think part of the problem with cross content search is it's not technical it's legal and it's working out deals with these companies because let's let's say you run netflix gene you probably wouldn't want your stuff just mixed in with hulu stuff mixed in with hbo stuff you want people to know that this is a netflix thing this is something you get through netflix um and, and you know a- amazon to its credit on the fire tv has been trying to implement this i'm not quite sure how that's going i haven't i haven't Turned on my fire TV in a while, but um it was one of those things that was coming down the pipe. And I'm I'm guessing it was less technical and more like we have to talk to these companies and figure out a way to make them happy while we're doing this. Actually, I think the number one problem with Apple TV at this point, and I came across this last night, are all the channels that require cable activations.
0: Aha, let's get into that in our next segment. Josh Centers from Tidbits and Take Control Books. I'm Gene Steinberg, you're in the Tech Night Live.
2: No! Yeah.
19: For the report the Fed hopes you'll never see. As good as gold can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. If you have ever thought about owning gold, you must read this report. Call Midas today at 800-686-2237.
10: Question, could too many GMO foods and toxins be overloading your digestive and immune systems? Answer, yes. If you're searching for a powerful detox that's gentle enough to use every day, use Pro-EM-1 from Terragonics. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic that uses good bacteria to suppress pathogens and gently eliminate toxins from your body. A healthy digestive system will cleanse and remove toxins, support weight loss, improve absorption of food nutrients, and aid in controlling yeast and other infections. Pro-EM-1 is made with only non-GMO and certified organic ingredients, has no preservatives, and is dairy, soy, wheat, and gluten-free. Pro-EM-1 is the key to your digestive health. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at TerraGanics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Also available through Amazon Prime. Pro-EM-1 from Terragonics. Life's getting better.
7: We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at com. That's news at com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at com slash radio. That's com slash radio. Or subscribe on
0: iTunes. One more segment with Josh centers of tidbits and take control books. And we're talking now about what might happen at the Apple October 16th media event at the corporate headquarters. So what about a new Apple TV? Are they going to find ways to update or improve the interface? How do you deal with all this clutter? And as you say, you get all these extra channels like HBO, etc. In order for them to work, you first have to log in from your particular TV carrier, such as DirecTV or Comcast or any of those services. Mm -hmm. So it gets very confusing. So you have to go through this multiple login routine first, but that's true with the other devices. Each of the services that a Roku offers, for example, you have to do separate logins and have them stored first before you even get to the content.
1: It's becoming a growing problem in the Apple TV. And it's something that I think Apple's in a unique position to solve better than anyone else. Just as an example, last night, I wanted to watch something on HBO and I hadn't watched HBO in a while, so I had to reactivate. It cancels the activation after so many weeks or days or some random interval of time. Of course, the process for all of these is you have to go to a website, you know, HBO.com slash Apple TV, you know, something.com slash activate. You have to type in a code on your screen. Well, You have to log into your Provider, Comcast, whoever, uh, you know, type in a code and you have to do it for all of these. And some of them don't work with all the same providers like the A&E channels are really bizarre on Apple TV. Like they don't support Comcast, but they support a lot of uh, oddball carriers. Like there's a local ISP around here, the phone company. It works with them, you know, that they might have... <laughs> 5,000 customers, but it doesn't work with Comcast. It's it's so bizarre. There should be a better way to do it. I should be able to activate directly from my Apple TV or have some way of activating through my iPhone without having to pull up Safari, and it should store some kind of token for those. So it knows, oh, Josh, you're a Comcast subscriber and you have, these, you have access to these services. So we're just going to activate those for you, and we're going to store that for you. So you don't have to go through this rigmarole every time. I think Apple could at least set that up with the with the major ISPs, which most people are on, like Comcast, Time Warner, Charter, uh, DirecTV, uh, Dish Network. You know, if you got that handful of companies, you would cover most of the people in this country um, and make things a lot easier for them. So, So that's something I think Apple really needs to work on. And it, it, sure, it might be the same for Roku or all these other guys, but that that shouldn't matter. Apple should be leading the pack here, and they should be doing something. They should be leading the pack and making things easier for people.
0: That's one reason why, for example, I probably don't use the Apple TV as often as I might. About the only thing I use it for now, other than to see maybe a streaming Apple event, is to rent a movie. That's pretty much it. Why am I not using other services? Well, maybe Netflix. So, for example, when they brought back for the final season, The Killing, they brought that for a third season, I want to watch that or I want to watch House of Cards or something. So I'd watch Netflix. But we have, what, 40, 50 channels now on Apple TV. I don't bother with them because I just don't want to get through the rigmarole of logging in. So, of course, with Roku, they boast over a thousand channels. But who wants to bother with them if you have to go through a process?
1: Yeah, exactly. It's it's a pain. It's a pain in the neck and it shouldn't be. I I think one of the things Apple has been working on, and this is all through speculation, rumor and hearsay, but I think they've been working on deals with companies like Comcast. and, And purely my speculation is Apple TV, fourth generation, you will be able to use one of these as a cable box and you can and this isn't new you can do this with an xbox now if you're on i believe time warner you can use it as a cable box through your internet connection does not count against your bandwidth cap i would be very shocked if apple wasn't doing something similar it's a, it's the same strategy they use to get the iphone out um this could potentially put apple tvs in millions of homes that wouldn't buy them otherwise uh an apple tv would make a way better interface way better cable box than a comcast box which is just awful in every conceivable way. Um, It would probably be cheaper for everyone involved. It's one of those things that this is pure speculation based on a bit of rumor, but it makes so much sense. I, I could see it happening. I'd be kind of surprised if it didn't happen at some point.
0: Well, I think the ultimate solution is to abstract all the interface differences and provide the unified interface, which, again, is the issue of making this your cable box. And therefore, that's what Apple has to sign all these deals with the content carriers. And you also have to think that they would be anxious to do that for one reason. It improves their business. As soon as Apple starts adding some, all have to participate because they want to keep your business if it makes it easier to navigate through their content. You'll be happier with their services. You're more inclined not to give it up and go cord cutting. You keep their services, maybe enhance the services by adding more things. Suddenly, they make more money from you, and all they have to do is work with Apple. Of course, in the real world, things are not so simple.
1: No, and content companies are scared of Apple after seeing how they kind of took over the music industry. Some would argue they saved the music industry. But you know, I don't know. I mean, at the same time, the, the payment industry, you know, the banks and everybody were more than happy to sign a deal with Apple because they had a legitimate problem that Apple offered to solve. And they you know, had confidence that Apple could solve it. Um, I think if the people behind these cable companies are smarter than they seem on paper, sometimes they will want to deal with Apple because, sure, they have these monopolies that they're trying to shore up and they have the regulators in their pockets. But at the same time, um, despite all that, there is real competition coming and they're they're bad at competing. It's it's not what they're in a business of. Though. Many of them have a government backed monopoly, uh, which which makes you uh, weakens your immune system to competition. Right. So, uh, you know, here comes Apple who can say, look, you got more people cutting the cord. You have more people who are walking away from your business. We have a solution. We have a, a thing that people will want to buy. They'll want to come to your service to use this product. You know, that could be a powerful argument. I guess we'll find out next week.
0: I just wonder if all these things are happening, how Apple's going to stick it all into a single event. Because let's look at this, for example. So, say they have new iPads, which we expect. That's a pretty significant number of announcements, new Macs, maybe. An iMac with retina display, although I don't think the usability of a desktop computer with retina display is as distinguished as a notebook. But let's talk about that. They have an Apple TV. They have a Mac Mini. They'll do another demonstration of OS X Yosemite because it'll be available for download, the final version. They're adding all this stuff. It's going to be pretty crowded if it happens at one event.
1: Well they announced a lot of stuff the last event. You know, I don't think they have to spend a ton of time on each thing. Uh you know, they might say, Hey, so you know, they come out, they show off Yosemite and hey, it's out now, check it out. And uh they'll do that for maybe five minutes. They'll say, Oh, look, and speaking of Yosemite, we wanted a new machine you could run it on. Um, so here is uh you know, here's a new Mac Mini. Uh, And look how sleek and cool it looks. Then they'll skip on. Oh, here's iPads. They'll probably rush over the iPads because at this point, iPhones, not iPads are kind of boring. They kind of rush through the iPhone at the last event. Then they'll have a big thing for Apple TV. Um, Of course, that's all guess. That's all speculation. But uh, if it's going to happen, I would
0: imagine it's probably going to happen like that. Josh centers. Please tell our listeners where they can find more of the stuff that you do.
1: Uh, you can find my stuff at tidbits.com, and you can pre-order the new iOS 8 book at takecontrolbooks.com.
0: Josh Sanders, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for having me, Gene. Next up on the Tech Night Out Live, we'll be hearing from Rob Peguerrero. He works with Yahoo Tech and USA Today. He'll tell you how to pick the right wireless carrier. <laughs>
9: The nation's largest independently owned and operated talk radio network. The Genesis Communications Network.
0: G-C-N. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to A2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, A2hosting.com. Check out their Prime hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out.
18: We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? Have you ever signed a contract or a document? worried about identity theft? How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what do you think about first? That's right. Who do you call and how much will it cost? Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution.
10: If not, cancel and pay nothing.
6: What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to The Tech Night Owl, live with Gene
0: Steinberg. We have Rob Pegarero who hangs his hat such places as Yahoo Tech and USA Today, among other places. And we have a lot of ground to cover. But I wanted to hit you with something you didn't expect, Rob. How's that? Uh-oh. Okay. A report quoted in Investor's Business Daily, citing analytics firm Retail Metrics, claiming that the iPhone 6 launch has resulted in slower sales on the retail chain other than the iPhones. Like people are just basically stopping other purchases and buying iPhones instead. Have you heard anything of this? I haven't. On the face of it, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me
22: because... Most phones are still sold at a subsidized price, and even the ones that are sold unsubsidized, you have an installment plan, so you don't have the full cost hitting you. So I don't see how you know a hundred to two hundred dollar expense is going to shut down the rest of you know one's worthwhile effort to uh, prop up the gadget industry.
0: That that's a new one. Well, I don't know. Some people come out with surveys. There's this one, for example, from Gartner, suggesting that teens aren't apt to want to buy. Apple's wearable, which we now know is called the Apple Watch, except the question mentioned an iWatch because it was asked before the Apple Watch was announced. In other words, sure, the survey is invalid. Now, it may be true that teens aren't inclined to want to spend $349 or more for a watch, but still, this is the kind of survey, why do you release it now? Maybe go back and redo the question?
22: People want their headlines. Yeah, I mean, the relevant context there is, are people inclined to buy any particular smartwatch? And no, I don't think that's the case. I've gotten more used to seeing people wearing Pebble watches and Android Wear watches, but that's when I go to technology conferences, and that's not uh, quite a representative sample
0: size. Definitely not. It's not even the audience. Let's get on to other subjects with regard to Apple. And that is, before we get to that, I want to say we're not going to talk about any of the gates. So we're not going to talk about Ben gate. We're not going to talk about hair gate. You've heard of that where you get your hair gets stuck. I'm kind of gated out of uh, as far as iPhone news goes. And besides which, you know, when we refer to something as a gate, antenna gate, bend gate, and people think that relates to Watergate, it's not because Watergate was the name of this big complex in Washington, D.C. That was a hotel and a condo, as I recall. I don't know what it's like now. Uh, It's
22: still there. I think the hotel may have one of those buildings and there's an office building as well. When you're, you're in my fair city, you can check them out. It's right where Rock Creek Park meets the Potomac River. Get off at the Foggy
0: Bottom Metro stop, walk a few blocks. There you are. Well, I spent the night there about a week before the burglary. What timing? Isn't it though? I had an uncle who worked with the U.S. Agriculture Department for quite a while. And obviously, after he worked with the government, he became a consultant. So he could afford the rent or the condo payment, whatever it was. But the point being here is that if you follow the logic that it's Watergate, well, Watergate should have been Watergate-gate, if you get my point. Yes, the, the whole
22: gate suffix for scandals and alleged scandals. You know, I, th- I think most copy editors would gladly be rid of that, but people keep coming with it all over, coming up with that, the same thing all over again.
0: I would think if I was an editor and someone came up with another gate concept, I'd say, I'm going to give you the gate. Hmm. All right. Big comment we always hear about Apple. It's not always into communicating things with its customers in the proper way. You have some kind of example here about an unlocked iPhone 6 that you want to talk about, but we can get into others. Yeah,
22: so this started, I guess, two, three weeks ago where a uh, guy I've done some work with said, you know, I've, I want to buy the iPhone 6, but I want to get it unlocked because I want to have the option of using AT&T or, uh, I think it was AT&T or T-Mobile. He travels a lot, you know, and he just want to be able to switch from one pre- prepaid service to another, now, if you go to Apple's site, I haven't checked this morning, maybe they finally fixed the labeling, it'll offer to sell you a, a Sprint, AT&T, or Verizon iPhone 6. Under that, it's a, it shows a no-contract T-Mobile iPhone 6. So I did some asking around, and I thought, you know, wasn't it the case that uh, you know, in prior years they, they started selling it only in versions locked, at least domestically, to particular carriers, being that you can't swap in someone else's SIM card, although... In many cases, you can use an overseas carrier SIM card. And later on, I thought I remembered seeing that they had moved to start selling it fully unlocked. I asked the people at dealnews.com, can you tell me when was what was the lag the last time around for the iPhone 5 to become and 5S, 5C to show up in an unlocked form? And I got the email back saying, um, actually, according to this thread on Apple's own site, the, the T-Mobile version already is unlocked. They just don't describe it as such. And the weird thing is, if you look at the 5S and the 5C in Apple's site, there's no mystery. You've got the AT&T, Sprint, and Verizon versions. And then there's an unlocked, no-contract version, which you can buy with the T-Mobile SIM that you can then activate or without any SIM card at all. So right there, that's a problem. Why obfuscate things like this? I emailed Apple PR and, to their credit, got a reply. Sent like 8.30 in the evening, California time. You're correct. This phone is in fact sold unlocked. And I, I'd asked them why not fix up the labeling and they, they weren't going to address that. So I wrote this column. Then I got all these emails from readers. Some saying, yes, you know, this works. You can also do this. You, if you buy a Verizon phone in some circumstances, it's sold unlocked and you can then put AT&T on it. Uh, and then other people saying, but get Apple to confirm it. I'm like, I did. The problem is what you can't do is get Apple to confirm something in public. And then, you know, I looked at another couple of cases where I'm not going to mention one of these was a gate. So we'll skip that. Uh, One of them was with iOS 8.0.1, which shipped in a buggy state. And you'd want to know, hey, my iPad shows this is ready to install or my iPhone 6 shows it's ready to install. Should I put it on my phone? Any other company would say they would tweet it out. Hold up. We're getting some reports about bugs. Apple's way of dealing with a question like that is to provide a statement not for attribution to one or another tech news site, Recode, what have you. There was this vulnerability in Bash, part of the Unix underpinning of OS ten. Does that affect my Mac? Apple's response was not to tweet out or post a statement or a blog post or a press release. Again, provide a statement. to I think it was to iMore saying, no, you're OK. We're going to ship out an update. As a customer of Apple, this bothers me. I don't really have time to see which tech news site got the the private word from Cupertino about what is up. I would like Apple to function like just about any other company in America and talk to its customers in social media, at least have a blog or something updated more often
0: than the press release page, which goes weeks without any change to it. Well, I guess one example where they responded pretty quickly was the Bengate issue, of course, where they came out with a response pretty quickly. Also, when they had the iOS 8.0.1 update, where it was out for an hour or an hour and a quarter, it was causing problems with the iPhone 6, where it would... Disabling voice calls. It would lose its carrier connection, and Touch ID wouldn't work. They apologized for it right away. So it's not as if Apple ignores critical information. publicly,
22: though. The the key thing is it's one thing to... You know, when things go really viral or nuclear whatever, then yes, Apple, you know, Apple Maps, you get the the Tim Cook apology letter saying, in the meantime, you may want to try our competitors' products, which not every company would say. Um, You know, there was that open letter about privacy posted not long ago, subject of intense interest. But for stuff that doesn't rise to that level, the company just stays silent. And it's not as if it doesn't know how to tweet or use Facebook. It has non-interactive accounts that promote things like the Apple Store, iTunes Music. But any other company, you know, the your cable company, the airline you last flew, probably your power company, they're actually on Twitter talking to their customers and not leaving them in the dark. And the Apple way is to leave you and me, the customer, in the dark about these issues unless they become incredibly big and in all the headlines. Otherwise, it seems they would rather parcel out a statement or a quote to one tech site or another. And at leads to this weird phenomenon
0: where, you know, if you're going to report that correctly, you can't say Apple released a statement. Rob Pegarero is here. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live.
9: minds think alike the network for the independent minded the genesis communications network g
0: c n
5: No matter what the behavior, defiance, backtalk, angry outbursts, disrespect, we can help you stop it. Now you can get the total transformation for free. All you need to do is get the program and let us know how it works for you. You can keep it forever for free.
6: Limited number of free programs available. Call now. 1-888-912-1595. 1-888-912-1595. That's 1-888-912-1595. one 1-888. 888 Nine one two one five nine five.
11: If you need to say happy birthday, happy anniversary, thank you, or simply I'm thinking of you, proflowers.com is the key. ProFlowers has stunning bouquets like the best-selling 100 blooms for 19.99. dollars Plus, ProFlowers will include a glass vase for free. Sending someone a wonderful surprise of beautiful flowers sent fresh from the field is easy. Choose the bouquet you like, pick the delivery date, And each order is 100% guaranteed. Plus, all bouquets from ProFlowers are guaranteed to last at least seven full days. Beautiful, fragrant flowers, picked fresh and sent to your loved one for lasting enjoyment. To get this incredible savings and send someone 100 gorgeous blooms with a free vase for $19.99, go to ProFlowers.com, click the blue microphone in the top right corner, and enter code PLOW. That's ProFlowers.com. Click the mic and enter code PLOW.
6: You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle live with Gene Steinberg.
0: So we're discussing Apple's record or non record of customer information where when major things happen, Apple will be upfront when we had those celebrity nude photos leaked. Well, even then it was a couple of days for sure. Sure it was. You know, but they, they at post- least it. said they're looking into it and then they came out with a statement. But a lot of times Apple does things really on the down low. You know, for example, we have the iWorm security l- what is it, a Trojan or something like that? The security issue, malware issue. Yeah. And I gather it's supposedly you can only get it if you download a pirated app that has it. Regardless, Apple yep. quietly released an update to their X-Protect malware definitions. There was no press release. It was on a need-to-know basis. If you happened to look at the text strings to see what was going on, you'd see two versions of iWorm were added to the strings. Otherwise, nobody knows. You didn't know, I bet. No. The point being here is that we have here a pretty serious issue, and there was a story saying that 17,000 Macs were impacted, which is not like the alleged 600,000 with flashback, but still, it's a lot of of computers. Very critical. Apple says nothing. It was on a need-to-know basis, which is if you looked... In your X-Protect X strings to see if Apple had done anything, they did. But I have another question to ask you, though. Yeah. We have iWorm. This company called Dr. Webb makes security software. It says 17,000. We have Flashback, which was a Trojan-type malware infection involving Java, back a couple of years ago. The claim, 600,000 Macs impacted. Again, sourced Dr. Webb. Why believe them? That, you'd have
22: to sort of look at their reputation. Flashback, I do find that plausible because this was an exploit that Apple left open for months. They should have fixed it much sooner. And, you know, that since then, they've really locked down Java. You have to go out of your way to have it active in your browser. And that's as it should be. You know, any of you sites still using Java to provide functions to your users on the open Internet, you are doing it wrong.
0: Well, remember, you're always doing it wrong. Don't bend your phone. Don't hold it the <laughs> wrong way. Right. Of course. So the thing here is you're suggesting here that the easy thing to do is we know Phil Schiller has a Twitter account. Maybe Phil should send regular updates. Maybe Apple should be on Facebook with some kind of public presence. Maybe there should be an official Apple blog from Tim Cook. Yeah, it doesn't
22: really matter like any of these things would work because they're wasting everyone's time when, you know, I have to go out and see I mean, I'm a tech journalist and I kind of get tired of seeing the story emerges somewhere and everyone rushes to rewrite it. And if you're going to do it responsibly, you can't just say Apple released a statement. You have to say this, this site quoted an Apple spokesman as saying so-and-so, which leads to, you know, all these weird phrasings where Apple reportedly told I'm more blah, 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 blah. You know, you and me, we're their customers just say so online. You know, you could, the the same sort of innocuous statements that Apple provides one on one to tech news sites you could just be on twitter and just say that i mean and it's true that apple's executives are much more visible but if you read them it's funny how they manage to both sound very human and approachable and not reveal anything beyond what's in the company line about apple products you know they're very disciplined in their messaging in a way that does not make them seem like automatons
0: now the one thing to bear in mind here is that, unfortunately, only a preferred few journalists get early access to Apple gear for review. Only a selected number get the opportunity to interview an Apple executive. Yep. And I think that situation creates a bit of a fear, because if the journalist asks the wrong question, and I assure you, Tim Cook is quite smart enough to answer any question, no matter how tough, no matter how dumb, He's a smart guy. He can answer the question. Don't worry about him. And a lot of the other executives, the same thing. Phil Schiller, I guarantee you, Phil Schiller is a savvy guy. No matter what you ask him, tell him an answer for it. Maybe not the one you expect, but he can answer it. But these people are afraid to ask the follow-up questions because they'll lose their access.
22: Yeah, I don't know. Like that, I've... My job doesn't require me to review Apple hardware. I mean, it's not like I'm going to get in the, ahead of the queue, ahead of David Pogue, you know, for Yahoo Tech. So that doesn't bother me. And I realized a while back, if you're not going to be among the 20 or 30 people in the world who get early access to an Apple product, um, you know, if Apple PR likes you, you will be given the opportunity to pick up a loaner unit at an Apple store the day it goes on sale. Or you could just buy it and then return it. It's not worth getting hung up on that. Uh, And as far as, you know, getting, I don't need to do interviews with Apple executives either. When I need to get confirmation on a fact, I email the people I know on Apple PR, most of whom I've been dealing with for five, 10 years or longer. And they get back to me. You know, it's usually not something I can attach a name to, which is like a lot of other companies. So, personally, I'm not hung up on having access to Apple events. It's just, and it's a waste of time to get bothered by it because Apple Apple's going to do
0: what Apple's going to do. But it's always interesting here how in the media, you put Apple in in the title of an article or an Apple product, it's hit bait. Yep. No matter what. Whereas any of these other companies could have similar or worse problems and nobody cares.
22: Uh, I personally, you know, I, I think the tech media business and tech media readers, we know it better off. if We could just dial it back a notch about getting hung up on every twist and turn of what Apple's up to. There's a lot of other interesting stories to learn and to tell in this
0: business. What stories is the tech media ignoring, you think? <laughs> well, let's see. Can you count the ways? <laughs>
22: yeah, exactly. What, what, what industry sector should we start in? Let's go into computers and mobile gear. Well, let's see. I think I personally would like to see a little more coverage. And I mentioned this because I was just talking to a, uh, an executive working with the Microsoft Stores. How is the Windows Phone ecosystem developing in terms of how many customers you're using it? What's the average uh, app installed? What the selection is like? And I mean, it's been a while since I've tried a Windows Phone myself. But there have been some, there's been some nice hardware come out in there and some pretty attractively priced stuff as well. So I think that's worthwhile. I think in the uh, the, the wireless industry... Uh, I'm really enjoying seeing what T-Mobile is doing to, to change up things and how this is sort of getting AT&T and Verizon to budge a little, um, you know, and we mentioned unlock phones. Sooner or later, AT&T has got to relent on this crazy policy where they keep your phone locked until you either pay off the full hardware cost or finish your two year contract. Cause no one else is that restrictive. And, you know, I think a lot of that is because there's just a lot of, fundamental confusion over what unlock means. I devoted half of a USA Today column to this a few weeks ago. And from the reader email I got, I apparently didn't quite close the deal because folks are still a little unclear on what what this means.
0: Yeah, you were saying. Now, the other issue here, of course, with the... And this, I saw this in relationship to an article in the New York Times where it says that if you buy an iPhone 6, it's going to cost you not $199, but all these other fees that you got to pay for. So for example, maybe there's a a tax involved and don't forget you're signing a two-year contract. And why isn't this being mentioned? And I thought for myself, but that's true with any subsidized smartphone or mobile handset
22: purchase. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, this is something I have been wrestling with this. I did this law, almost 8,000 word guide to wireless service for the wire cutter. And Yeah, the only fair fair way to compare these costs is to add up your total two-year costs. You know, what you pay up front, what the service costs, what you'd pay for the same amount of service, how many gigabytes a month you need at another carrier. And a lot of the time, the unsubsidized phone is going to be cheaper. If you want to keep the phone longer than two years, it is almost always cheaper to buy unsubsidized. If you want to use the phone overseas without worrying about getting it unlocked first, You know, buy the phone unsubsidized and unlocked from a third party. It's definitely the case if you're looking at buying an Android phone where the best deals have been with Google's Nexus phones and I guess to a lesser extent the the Moto X and G and E series, which come, you can buy them directly from Motorola unsubsidized and unlocked.
0: Well, so you think at this point, what is the best wireless carrier if you're looking for service in the U.S.? How could you possibly sort out this rather complete mess amongst the various plans and packages from these carriers. Yes. This is the question I'm going to ask you to hold for about a minute or so, or a couple of minutes for our listeners' sake, when we do our next segment. We have Rob Pecorero, and he covers technology in lots of places, of course, for Yahoo Tech and USA Today and other places, and he'll enumerate them later on when we're about to wrap up the show, we'll talk about choosing the best wireless carrier and which might be the best wireless carrier for you. A lot more to talk about on the Tech Night Out Live. Not just an alternative to the mainstream media.
9: We're the premier independent talk radio network. We are
16: GCN. Next to water and food, you need a safe, storable fuel supply for your preparedness needs. Spare fuel is the answer. Spare fuel can be used in any gas-powered vehicle or generator. Spare fuel is perfect for any unforeseen out-of-gas emergencies. Unlike gasoline, spare fuel is safe to store with your other supplies, and it can be stored for many years. Go to GetSpareFuel.com for special pricing. That's GetSpareFuel.com.
23: On Facebook, on the news, and in conversations with friends, we're bombarded every day with advice on how to be healthier. From gluten free and non GMO diets to how much exercise and sleep the body needs. But how much have you heard about alkalizing the body? Alkavision plasma pH drops are a holistic and natural way to get your body's pH levels back in balance. Just a few drops in water will help your body rid itself of harmful waste. And even the healthiest of diets can be complemented with your daily use of Alkavision plasma pH drops. Who isn't looking for more vibrance, vigor, and energy? Now buy two bottles of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops and get $10 off your order. Visit Alcavision.com or call 800-518-7615. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops are packed with a powerful combination of the most alkaline minerals and compounds. Open the door to greater health, vitality, and zest for life. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health. Call 800-518-7615 or head to AlkaVision.com.
7: Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
0: So first of all, what is Wirecutter?
22: The Wirecutter, that is thewirecutter.com, it's a great site started by Brian Lamb after he left Gizmodo and a bunch of other places. What we try to do there, uh, say we having done all of one piece for them, is, is trying to provide a comprehensive recommendation to what you should get in a particular category. Say you want a DSLR camera, you want a wireless router, you're looking to buy a Bluetooth mouse, whatever. The, the way these stories come together is first the writer goes up and reads all the existing reviews. He, he or she talks to experts in that category of the business. People who have done hardware testing or design for years. Analysts, the people who wrote the other reviews, then they do their own testing as well. And so for instance, the uh, the wireless router I have downstairs, this uh, Asus model was the one they recommended. And it's been a good router, really no complaints. Um, what I did for them was a guide to wireless service where it would have been done a lot faster had they... <laughs> People not kept on changing up their price plans, and then I had to redo a good chunk of it to account for iPhone 6 pricing. The conclusion we came to based on, number one, you need the phone to work where you're going to be. Number two, once you've found somebody whose coverage works, then look at price. So Verizon's coverage is great. No one argues with that. Traditionally, it has not been a very good deal. Because if you want to have a smartphone, it's going to cost you. It usually, the going right for the for the longest time for Phone with two gigabytes of data a month was $90. Well, T-Mobile will say you that same basic package for $60. But then Verizon did something a little crazy earlier this year, which was to come out with some single line smartphone plans where you can't put a second phone on them. And they don't include tethering, which is one area where Verizon's customer service reps are horribly confused. They keep saying you can put it on. That's not the case. And with that, your cost per month drops to, I think, 60 bucks, maybe even less if you get a phone on its unsubsidized edge pricing. So in that case, for one line of service, a smartphone, Verizon is not only has the best coverage and the fastest, the, their LTE is is pretty terrific all around, especially in markets where they have this XLTE, a higher speed version of it. They're also the cheapest or the second cheapest. Uh, now, the, the catch is, you know, you don't get tethering. If you want to use the Android phone of your choice, you're kind of out of luck because Nexus phones, they're not sold for Verizon. Verizon does like to put a lot of extra software on its Android phones and then it takes its time updating them. But for your average person, that's what we came down to as the recommendation.
0: So Verizon also has pretty good coverage. And one of the issues with T-Mobile is T-Mobile may offer better prices in many places, but T-Mobile doesn't have quite the coverage in rural areas. So you really got to kind of, See where you are and where you're traveling to see what kind of coverage you get. But how do you even know then? You may look at this coverage map and it seems like it's okay, but then suddenly you try it out and it's not what you wanted.
22: Right. And coverage maps are always, there's, there's a certain amount of uh, a, a triumph of hope over experience in putting them together.
8: Fudge I mean, I, I've
22: certainly seen places where my own T T-mo- Mobile phone drops to an edge signal that's 2G. And the map suggests I should have something better. Maybe that's because, you know, my particular phone doesn't have the, the same reception as a different model that does vary a lot by device by device. Uh, I think in general, you know, from the people we talk to and there's various crowdsource sites that try to sort of also put together their own testing to see who works where. And yeah, Verizon, you have very good odds of the phone working anywhere in the U.S. AT&T is up there as well. They've gotten a whole lot better. Uh, And then there's T-Mobile and Sprint. And, you know, with T-Mobile, the risk is you drop to edge. Uh, But elsewhere, where they have 3G, it tends to be pretty fast and their LTE is coming on very strong as well. And I will note that their network has gotten better. Um, You know, last year, two two years ago, at a sold out baseball game in D.C., you wouldn't get a T-Mobile signal. This year you do. So they've definitely built up their network in that way. Sprint, their issue is they've been very slow in rolling at LTE, so they may have slightly better roll coverage than T-Mobile. But if you don't have LTE, you're looking at what's a really slow 3G service, probably the worst among the big four in terms of speed. And their LTE is also on the slower side. Now, they're working to fix that, but, you know, this is the downside of them rushing to support 4G first using WiMAX, a technology that turned out to be an evolutionary detour. And they're going to have to wind down the WiMAX network and switch those towers and transmitters over to LTE.
0: Now, Sprint has gone through some different growing, growing pains. They were acquired by a Japanese company. SoftBank. And now that SoftBank owns them, they now have a new CEO. So Dan Hesse, who I thought was a pretty personable guy, he's history. Yep. He he was well taken care of with his his exit package. (laughs) Oh, we love those golden parachutes, don't we? You see, the only golden parachute I ever had when I was working with some of these commercial stations years ago was they would call me into the manager's office, hand me one week's pay and say bye. They couldn't have even managed two. No cheapskates. These were cheapskates. But there are long stories about those things. In any case, all right, so he is well-suited. We now have a new person in charge. And Sprint has always been the company you love to hate. I had Sprint for about a year or two back in the early days. And I never called and yelled at a company more for delivering bad support than Sprint. Just couldn't stand them. And I think a lot of people today even though Sprint is getting better have that memory either yep. themselves or a friend, "Oh my god, Sprint, we don't want them. They have horrible customer service." How do you get over something like that?
22: Yeah, well, I think that they were making pretty good progress in it was in the wake of the Nextel acquisition which didn't really do anything for the company in the end. Basically all that that value is kind of vaporized um yeah their customer service went downhill big time and um you know they have been making progress if you look at things like jd power rankings or whatever they're doing better um where my current gripe with them is not about their service or not even their network so much it's the fact that their iphone 6 and 6 plus pricing is absolutely byzantine how so so you've got three ways to buy the phone you can buy it at the on the traditional unsubsidized, sorry, the traditional subsidized price for the two-year contract. There's easy pay where it's an unsubsidized price, no contract. And then there's this iPhone for life plan where you rent the phone. You don't actually buy it at all. And what you have here is two of these sort of make sense. If you want the, if you want to get a new phone every two years, you should get iPhone for life. It's cheap. It's only fifty bucks for the service itself. I think it's it's either it's If it's not unlimited data, it's a lot. 20 bucks to rent the phone. After two years, you either pay the rest of it or you get a new iPhone. Easy to understand. Easy pay. If you want to keep the phone for longer, that's your option. That's straightforward. There's, at least for single line phone usage, not only is it unwise to opt for the traditional two-year contract and subsidized pricing, it's financially foolish. You can spend $100 more and get nothing of benefit. Uh, In some cases, it's better off, but... Why should I, the customer, feel like I'm navigating this financial minefield, picking out plans? I mean, it's bad enough with AT&T and Verizon, where you have this mix of subsidized and unsubsidized. And on the phones, on the unsubsidized phones, you have varying discounts based on how much data you consume. I mean, that really gummed up the spreadsheet it had to do for the wire cutter. Well, Sprint, you have a whole nother box you have to do just for the iPhone. Plus, also, Sprint's pricing on service is different for the iPhone 6 it's $10 cheaper a month on easy pay pricing and on iPhone for life where 50 bucks for what you'd pay for that level of data to be 60 bucks with any other phone. I think Sam already getting tangled up in this total mess. And for a while, their presentation online wasn't even correct. They had the splash page where I think they were rounding up some service costs, <laughs> just insane. And like why customers, I no one likes to do that much math when shopping for a phone and in this case, you have to, because if you don't, you will be spending hundreds of dollars more over a two-year period and getting zero value in return.
0: So by offering more flexibility, they make things confusing. It's like, go to Samsung and look at a Galaxy S5. There's not just one, there are several different versions, depending on how they're set up. Let's not get into that right now. Let's get back to the wireless business, which is crazy enough. We have Rob Peguero who's trying to sort things out. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live.
13: Call me at 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. That's 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. Be proactive, not reactive. Call 1-800-686-2237, extension 116.
4: Summertime is save big time at Herbal Healer Academy. Long-term customers know summer is the time to stock up at herbalhealer.com. And for new customers, welcome to the web's best place to save on vitamins, minerals, and more – Log on for summer specials including all sizes of colloidal silver, colloidal minerals, and intestinal freedom on sale. Choose from Herbal Healer's great variety of weight loss products like apple cider vinegar, hootia, and metabolic complex and pro-metabolic all on sale now. Also the anti-parasite intestinal freedom and wormwood plus complex plus stevia liquid sweetener and the super enzymes all on sale for summer at herbalhealer.com. As always, we offer certificate correspondence courses in natural medicine. Enjoy same-day shipping and free online newsletter. Log on now to HerbalHealer.com and look for summer specials to save big with our nation's leader in supplying quality natural medicine and education. Since 1988, Herbal Healer Academy.
0: I think with buying smartphones or renting smartphones or whatever deal you make with a wireless carrier, it's about as bad as making a deal with your cable or satellite company and trying to pick a package. Mm -hmm. It's impossible because you've got all these tiers, these levels with cable or satellite TV. And the way they've got set up is you may like three different stations that you want to see, these three different channels other than local channels, of course. But they're spread across multiple tiers, so you have to get all these higher-priced tiers with channels you don't want. Now, with the case of your wireless carrier, T-Mobile made a big deal of being the uncarrier. We're going to make it cheaper. We're going to make it simpler. But I can't, for the life of me, figure out their deals either anymore. I don't know. T-Mobile... It's a lot more straightforward
22: because first of all, there's only one hardware price. You don't have this weird intersection of pay this much for the phone, pay this much for service, unless you buy this much service with this unsubsidized phone, then it's cheaper. And then you have two or four line scenarios. Um, If you just simply split the cost of the hardware and the service, which is how it works everywhere else. You know, no one buys a laptop from your ISP and have to figure out some weird matrix of subsidies and discounts or whatever. So, you know, if the other carriers would just go ahead and do that, make things a whole lot simpler. And in a lot of cases, you know, there are some scenarios in which a subsidized phone on a two-year contract is, is a better deal right now. But, you know, that's with carriers that have higher prices in general. At some point, I should compare what it did cost at T-Mobile to get a phone on a two-year deal. But, yeah, I think just a more straightforward presentation where you're not wondering, did I go down the wrong path? That would end a lot of this confusion because it's one thing to do different kinds of math. Oh, I want two gigs of data. No, I need four. Uh, do I need tethering? Whatever. But it's another to have to do it twice and then see. Oh, I'm buying the phone uh, with an unsubsidized price. I'll get this much of a discount on service if I pay for four gigs of data. But wait, I need two phones. What if I pay for ten gigs for both of it? Then the, the discount per phone goes from ten or fifteen dollars to twenty five dollars. Uh, You know, it gets to be like this game of three-dimensional chess.
0: Well, I think the easiest way is just stop the subsidies, offer the phone for a flat rate up front, or you finance it. Like AT&T Next, it's a financing thing. So you finance it. Each phone's a separate item. Now you have a package of service that you buy. That applies to all the devices. Why are you paying an extra $25 a month, for example, to add a phone? what's the point? It's not going to necessarily use any more of your unlimited minutes or unlimited SMS. So why are you paying that extra money? You see what I'm saying? It's not just paying for the phone, but you got to pay to add a device to your service and then you pay a, a raw service cost. Does that make sense? Yeah. You
22: know, it would be much more honest pricing just to sort of see what the service, I mean, anytime you can kind of launder the cost of some kind of hardware, you know, no one really knows what a cable box costs because it's just the $7 a month you, seven, what am I talking? 10, 15, 20 that you pay every month in in perpetuity that, you know, if there was a functioning market, we'd have actual price competition and, you know, maybe you could buy your cable box from somebody besides your cable company, but I digress.
0: All right. But there isn't a functioning market if nobody can figure out what the deal is. And I find, for example, in dealing with AT&T, that anytime I make a plan change for the first month, the charges are all screwed up. So I always have to call them back to sort this out and say, okay, why is this extra fee in there? I just agree to this thing. I once had a conversation with AT&T where they couldn't explain to me what they were doing. And I said, you know what? Let's start from scratch. Pretend... This is the equipment I have now. We know what equipment I have. Let's start from scratch. Give me a package without the legacy stuff. Throw it all away. Start from scratch today or at the beginning of the month or whatever my building period begins. And that way I saved money, but the bill is a bit more comprehensible. Except for another charge they added this hmm. past month, but don't get me started.
22: Yeah, processing changes like that. One interesting thing that's come out of Sprint lately, they bought... Uh a mobile virtual network operator called uh, Zact, I think, where their whole, I talked to these guys at last year's Wireless Initiative Trade Show. And Zach's specialty was, you know, you can change what you're paying for, how many minutes, how many texts, how much data on the fly, using an app right on the phone. Sprint bought that company, and they've since put that technology in place at Virgin Mobile, their prepaid subsidiary. So you have this, these custom plans where you can say, these are the ones that were in the news, because you could opt to pay only for, pay just five bucks a month, have a limited use of only Facebook or only Twitter, which seems to me just a totally crazy way to do things. But it's not how I would buy a service. I, I hope it is not how anyone would, because why close yourself off like that? But they have the technology that should allow you to make on-the-fly changes in your service plan, you know, without calling anybody, without going to a website, just picking up the phone and opening up an app.
0: Even where you could do it online and change your service, it makes no sense. Yeah. There's no way to know whether or not what you're adding changes your service in a way that's positive or negative. And I've tried a couple of times. I've tried, for example, going to their online chat. Some of these places have a interactive chat. And you talk to these people and they say, call up customer service and let them figure it out for you because we can't figure it out. Yeah. Customer service reps. So... Yeah. Reporting this
22: wire cutter guide and then dealing with this, this iPhone six unlock mystery is really reminding me how often the people who are answering the phone or picking up or typing back to you in some web chat don't actually get the memo. this one guy said he had nine different people at Apple and T-Mobile say the T-Mobile, the the iPhone that Apple sells for T-Mobile use comes locked. Well, it's not the case. Apple says it's not. And I've got multiple customers saying, no, it's not. And this guy wouldn't believe me. And I'd tell him like, look, customer service reps, they're not a reliable source. You cannot take what they say to the bank. Certainly not when they're talking about T-Mobile is not in a position to talk about what Apple sells on its own site. And for some reason, Apple is just not communicating this to its reps. And I guess they're just looking at what we see. And, you know, forget having a social media presence. If Apple would just label this thing clearly, then I, of course, I would have had to find another thing to write about for USA Today two, three weeks back.
0: Well, you see, Apple gives you ammunition (laughs) to write about them it may not be the kind of ammunition they're looking for but they can do it let's get more into the wireless carrier thing so we know the plans are impossible to figure out and maybe t-mobile is less impossible all right let's start from scratch the first thing i'm going to ask here is about the customary retention issues so you want to switch to another wireless carrier you're pondering this because i assume most people out there have something Yes. Don't most wireless carriers have a retention department who they're going to quote you some kind of special deal to keep your business. They don't want to lose you, especially if, you know, you're been there a couple of years, a couple of three, four years, and you're getting new gear every year or two, and they're making a boatload of money from you. They don't want to lose your business. Hopefully. So the first thing you want to do is talk to customer retention. Threaten to quit. And see what kind of deal they give you, and see if that could possibly get you something better. Maybe you can explain this more. Rob pegarero and he's a tech journalist who's currently with such places as USA Today, Yahoo Tech, and The Wire Cutter and such. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs>
9: Free from the shackles of corporate America. We're the
0: place for independent thinkers. G-C-N.
10: Question, could too many GMO foods and toxins be overloading your digestive and immune systems? Answer, yes. If you're searching for a powerful detox that's gentle enough to use every day, use Pro-EM-1 from Terragonics. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic that uses good bacteria to suppress pathogens and gently eliminate toxins from your body. A healthy digestive system will cleanse and remove toxins, support weight loss, improve absorption of food nutrients, and aid in controlling yeast and other infections. Pro-EM-1 is made with only non-GMO and certified organic ingredients, has no preservatives, and is dairy, soy, wheat, and gluten-free. Pro-EM-1 is the key to your digestive health. Order Pro-EM-1 daily probiotic cleanse at Terragonics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Also available through Amazon Prime. Pro-EM-1 from Terraganics. Life's getting better.
6: What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. Oh, no.
0: So the benefit or the harm in going to a customer retention department for your wireless carrier, and this applies also to cable or satellite TV, you know, you threaten to leave unless you give me a better deal. Does that work?
22: It should work in wireless because you actually do have that option. It's a lot harder to tell your broadband provider, I'm going to leave you and they can say, for what? (laughs) You know, in most of America, the competition, if you were the cable company, your alternative is slow DSL provided by the incumbent phone company. In some cases, I, I live in a market where there's both Fios and Comcast. So I can threaten for Verizon that I'll leave. Although, what if you sure, don't like Comcast? Sure, but I'm thinking
0: here like Comcast for TV and I've got Dish Network or DirecTV. That's the kind of issue yes, where it
22: If you only need TV service, you have a few more options. Unless you, you know, live in a house that doesn't have the right uh, exposure to the sky to put up a satellite dish.
0: Okay. So going to your wireless carrier saying, you know, I can get a better deal from this other guy. Do you want to keep my business or not? What's going to happen? I think, I don't know. That's one I haven't heard a whole lot of anecdotes from
22: individual readers, given that, you know, not only is there this crazy amount of competition you know, if you're going to T-Mobile and you're in a contract, you don't even have to worry about the ETF because they'll pay that off for you. Sprint has a deal I think is still going on, but only in certain, some circumstances. Maybe it's on two or four line plans where they'll also pay off your ETF. And that, you know, breaking that traditional shackle, because I've paid an ETF once and you feel like a chump for paying it, but you're just that anxious to get away and get on with some kind of better wireless service. Um. You know, that to me is the sign that we do have a functioning competitive marketplace. And boy, wouldn't it be great
0: if, you know, TV and broadband, residential broadband work like that. Now, the other issue, of course, is when you switch to wireless carrier, if your credit is marginal, you may or may not have to pay an extra deposit. Depends on the carrier and their requirements. So that's one thing. So maybe you should also check your credit rating if you've had issues. Right. Well, good idea to check that anyway. It's just... To be sure, okay. So maybe or maybe not. If you threaten to leave, and knowing as they do that the other company might pay your early termination fees, doesn't that give them more incentive to want to work harder to keep you? They should. Yeah, I mean,
22: you're in a position where you you hold a lot more of the cards than you would have a few years back, compared to like ten years ago when wireless number of portability wasn't yet established. Uh, You know, the, the wireless customer has a lot more agency than he or she once did.
0: Okay. Now in choosing the new wireless carrier, you're starting from scratch or you're thinking of switching. As you say, there's so many different options. You don't know which is what, what to do. Can we give some advice?
22: Yes. I would say first off, what seems to trip people up most often is not knowing how much data they need. People say, I need unlimited data. I say, do you? Are you sure? How much did you use last month? And, you know, your phone will tell you that. Your bill will tell you that. Uh, and people think that they need it just in case. But with a lot of these companies, you know, while well, you can't really pay for unlimited data, AT&T and Verizon, I don't think that's uh, possible under any any scenario. Sprint will sell to you, but it will be at a premium. And T-Mobile will do that as well. Why pay for stuff you're not going to use at a certain point buying more data than you need You can defend it as a just-in-case thing but eventually taken too far you're paying a really expensive insurance premium so i would say be clear about that you know in some ways the math has gotten simpler you don't need to worry about number of voice minutes or number of text messages because everyone wants to switch to to not metering that anymore so that's unlimited that's on any plan you're going to get uh what gets complicated is if you want to have multiple lines uh, on the same account which the carriers would like you to do that, because that's going to make it harder for you to switch when two people need to get new phones and figure out what they're going to do. Um, you know, what particular phone do you want? Because if, you, if you're set on buying an iPhone, then the price is the price everywhere. And because it is a more expensive phone, that makes unsubsidized pricing less attractive. When I did the math for the wire cutter, it was interesting to see how a $400 phone versus buying a $650 phone erase the advantage of mini subsidized pricing. Because essentially, the if you buy a $400 phone like a Moto X at a subsidized price, it'll be a very low price initially. But the carrier is recouping that much more. Basically, you're, you're handing them more money over the life of the two-year plan than you would if you buy a $650 phone. But you'd never know that because, of course, the bill doesn't break out how much
0: is going to pay off this allegedly free loan you got. Now, the other thing to bear in mind, too, is more and more of these carriers are giving you some kind of option to basically buy the phone on time. So, of course, you do that with T-Mobile. Nothing down so much a month for 24 months, you own the phone. AT&T has something called Next, which is kind of sort of like that, except that you have the option to upgrade your phone, I think, every 18 months, but then you just return your old phone or what? Yeah, there's two different levels of Next pricing. There's
22: 12, there's a 12-month thing and an 18-month thing. I would say if you're upgrading your phone every 12 months, maybe you should make better decisions in buying your phone or you should get a little less hung up over staying on top of every technological advance because that's an expensive habit, especially if you're buying a new iPhone every year. you know, I, I would not advocate spending $650 a year in phone hardware for the rest of your life. Unless that's you have a lot more money
0: than we do. Right. See, we're tech journalists. We don't have money. But those who have money... You know, you don't care. It doesn't matter. But for the rest of us, you got to make that decision. Now, the plan I've seen at at t next, they have a 24-month plan now. And I think your line of demarcation in upgrading is 18 months. Yeah. Yeah. The more
22: interesting thing to keep in mind with ATT is that, you know, if you want to have the option of using the phone on prepaid carriers overseas, you will definitely want to go for the next option, But then you're going to have to, I think you have to pay off the full price of the phone anyways. So in that case, you might as well just write a check for the entirety of it, get it unlocked in the store. And then you go overseas, you're not stuck paying their standard rate, which I think is $30 for 120 megs of data. And you can go through 120 megs of data reasonably quickly. You might not feel so bad paying 30 bucks one time for a short trip. But what if you're four days and you had to do it twice? What if it's a week out of the country and you spent $90? or you know, more than you would pay for a month of service back home. And what if you go just a hair over 120 megs? A hair over that, you have to buy a fourth installment. Now you pay
0: $120, or you could have spent $20 on a prepaid SIM and not worried about any of this. Now, the, I understand also here, the other option in buying a phone upfront, maybe $650 is a lot for you, but put it on your credit card. Of course, you've got interest. And the loans you're getting from your cell phone company usually are interest-free. But then you consider that. Maybe you have a pretty favorable interest rate with your credit card company. So you put $650 on the card. And the advantage of that is you own it outright. There's no obligation. You just pay your monthly bill. And at the end of a year or year and a half, you want another phone. You just sell it. Yep. And you get it back. Selling
22: the phone is a a key advantage. And the, the Sprint iPhone for life deal looks good. But remember that you cannot do anything to monetize that phone after two years. If you'd bought it on a subsidized price to your contract, you'd own it right after two years, you could sell it to somebody else. If you paid full price up front, you have that option from day one. With this one, with this renting deal, you need to turn it into Sprint. Or you can pay the full price, which is really crazy because then you're spending a whole lot more than you, you would have otherwise.
0: Confusing. Yep. And I gather that somebody who starts from scratch, they're not going to know what to do. I have a relative recently widowed, my sister-in-law, and she has two Verizon phones and she's going to make it one. And I said, you know, here's the place to go online to check their rates to see what she'd pay. And she doesn't care about getting a new phone. She just wants a simple phone to make and receive calls. That's it. The rest of the stuff out of sight, out of mind. She couldn't make heads or tails of this. Again, simple. She just wants a simple plan for one phone. She just wants to cut back on the other phone. You know, throw it out, whatever. It's paid for. Couldn't do it. Couldn't figure a way. We'll have more to say. We have Rob Peguerro joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night How Live. <laughs>
9: Suspensions. FCC investigations. That's Men, California. Hear him here.
0: GCN. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to A2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, A2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code Gene when you check out.
17: This is Dan Pillot. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands, and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement, and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com.
23: Imagine looking in the mirror and to your surprise, you look 10 years younger. How would it make you feel? Looking younger can be your reality with our breakthrough anti-aging formula that's clinically proven to visibly and dramatically improve wrinkles, lines, and skin tone. Call 1-844-500-0815. That's 1-844-500-0815. Or visit imaginelookingyounger.com. The human body is extraordinary.
6: you're listening to the tech night owl live with gene steinberg you never know what's going to
0: happen next so obviously the wireless carriers are not going to change their ways rob peguerrero as competition remains fierce they're just going to keep fighting. And I gather at this point, any chance of a merger in any of these carriers is zilch. Yep. You're going to have Sprint. You're going to have Verizon. You're going to have at and You're going to have T-Mobile separate, all fighting each other. But they'll never make their plan simpler, except, of course, as long as John Ledger over at T-Mobile stays there, I guess things will be interesting. Otherwise, they'll get some corporate hack over there, and it'll be just as confusing.
22: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Ledger is really the uh, the straw that stirs the drink.
0: (laughs) I like it when he uses language that is not (laughs) quite kosher for a corporate executive. He doesn't care. I just want to know what he's smoking. (laughs) But seriously, you see the point here that it's never going to change because there's no clamoring for some kind of government regulation over this. It's not no, I
22: don't think we're likely to see any. I think the the, the government has already done the, the best thing it could to make the to increase the competitiveness of this market by not letting AT and T buy T Mobile, and then strongly suggesting to Sprint that it was wasting its time trying to set up a purchase of T Mobile itself.
0: So when all is said and done, you have this. You can have a mess. It's a mess that will never be solved. And there you Perhaps. go. Except of course, you know, if they try to pull any shenanigans with billing or something. Then maybe the FTC, the FCC and the FTC can get after them. Indeed. All right. Let's just move on for a couple of things here. We have the Apple media event on the 16th. Any predictions?
22: (laughs) Um, That Apple's going to try really, really hard to make sure the video live stream doesn't crash like
0: it did the last time. And you get no Chinese translation.
22: (laughs) I know. That was... (laughs) Ah, that, that was highly, highly amusing in a way Apple did not predict and probably didn't want. Um, as for the actual content of it, I mean, new iPads, they're due. And I'm interested because it's been almost two years since I bought my iPad mini. And if the replacement would have a retina display, Touch ID, maybe Apple Pay, it would be. Uh, Apple might
0: get a little more money out of me. We'll see. Apple um, Pay hardly makes sense. You're going to take one of these iPads or the iPad mini and take it over to the point of sale and network with it, it's going to be kind of awkward, isn't it? True,
22: but no more awkward than people taking pictures with a full-size iPad.
0: Hey, yeah. Imagine taking pictures with the iPhone 6 Plus (laughs) also. Imagine (laughs) just talking on the telephone with an iPhone 6 Plus. You think how awkward. It's not like the old-fashioned mobile phone which looked like a thicker phone this is wide not just long it looks silly
22: yeah and yet people a lot of people really like that that larger screen phone and i i don't get it you know i i didn't like that concept when it came from samsung i'm still not sold on it when it comes from apple and you know i i hope there remains a market for phones with under five inch screens
0: well one of our colleagues kirk McElhern who writes with Macworld. He's the iTunes guy there. Yeah, I guess he's guy. still he's still going to be the iTunes guy now that they went online with Macworld. But he sent back his iPhone 6. He likes his iPhone 5S because he wants the 4-inch screen. It's too big to have a larger one. So in any case, back to the event. So new iPads likely to come out, Touch ID, whatever. All right. Yeah. Anything uh, from the Mac?
22: discussion. Will we see a larger iPad? Which I don't. You know, I, I really like the size of the iPad Mini. The, the full-size iPad doesn't work for me, so I certainly don't want that ha- one. One that has a I don't know, 13-inch screen is what I'd seen. Uh, there's discussion about uh, an iMac with a Retina display, which we'll see. You know, I'm, I, I'm speaking to you through a rather old iMac, but I've held off replacing it in part because you know it it does most of the time I'm not waiting on the processor. I am sometimes waiting for it to swap memory to the program I need to use. Uh, you know, I think a retina display is more appealing to me on a phone or a tablet than on a desktop. The pricing of that will greatly affect my interest in it.
0: All right.
8: Well, is I- not ret- something
22: I want to pay a huge premium for, you know, my, my laptop, I would like its replacement to have better battery life. I don't actually need it to have better resolution and, and not if it comes with the cost of battery life.
0: Well, if we go to the iMac and you have a 27-inch iMac and you have a retina display on it, so you're adding, what, three to $400 to the purchase price? Yeah, and that, I'm like, uh, I don't know. Well, they might offer it in two models, you know, with and right. without retina. But the other issue is here, we understand if you're sitting here with your iPhone, as I am right now, and I see that my Touch ID still works, and I'm looking at it from six inches away. And the screen is beautiful and sharp. And I take the MacBook Pro with Retina display. And I'm looking at it, it's maybe a foot or so. But then my 27-inch iMac is going to be, what, 18 inches, two feet away from me? Suddenly the advantage of a Retina display is reduced. Is it really necessary? Yeah,
22: so that's something I'm going to be looking out for. Uh, and I guess they've got to ship you as Emity sometime. So might as well break some news about that next week, too.
0: Well, so far, Yosemite has gone through not one, not two, but three Golden Masters.
22: Should be enough. If it's taking more than that, then the whole point is you should only have one
0: release it. But I know from talking with developer friends, there are a couple of silly bugs still left with Golden Master 2 of Yosemite. So we kind of think here, unless there's a slightly later version, which there's probably going to be, the version that will actually ship the one that will actually be available for download by everyone, it's probably going to have a higher build number. It's probably going to be a slightly later version. And therefore maybe the few bugs that I know about that I can't disclose because of non-disclosure will right. somehow be eliminated. Are you running the public beta or the no, version? No, no, I am not uh, that. I
22: don't feel the need to live that dangerously.
0: <laughs> what can I
22: say? I'm running it. Yeah, no, I mean, I I could put it on this desktop, but this is an older model, and I feel like I might be pushing my luck there. And I kind of need my MacBook Air to work on the road, so that is not a candidate to put a beta version of an operating system on.
0: Maybe you stick it on an external drive connected by Thunderbolt or something, or if you even have a version with Thunderbolt. I don't have any Thunderbolt external drives, only USB 2.0 and FireWire. Okay, well, Thunderbolt external drives are pretty expensive anyway. All right, so we look at some new Macs, new iPads. Maybe Apple Pay will go live. Right, and it's supposed to be October when that uh, ships. I guess iOS 8.1 is supposed to bring support for Apple Pay. That's right. That's what the developers are saying. And maybe fix a few of the crazy bugs still left. So there you go. Any one more things in Apple's sleeve this year? Maybe an Apple TV update?
22: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I don't see an Apple TV update coming anytime ever because for that to work, for this to be your your exclusive interface for TV, it has to work with cable or satellite. And even if Apple said, we're just going to make this work with Comcast, which is the biggest broadband provider and the biggest TV provider, A, you're leaving out a huge chunk of your customers. B, some of these Comcast users might move to another cable company's territory. C, do you think Comcast is going to let Apple dictate its user interface? Do you think Apple is going to let Comcast dictate its user interface? Absolutely not. I would be stunned if uh, Apple were able to get any cable company to give it the same degree of control over the user experience that it got with the
0: iPhone. Well, that was a one-time thing, I think, that just opened a can of worms for the wireless industry. But no other company can get that. I think there might be a hardware upgrade for Apple TV, maybe with 4K video support but we'll see about the rest. Rob Peguerero, tell our listeners where they can find more of the stuff that you do. Uh, I write about policy usually
22: every Tuesday, but sometimes more often at Yahoo Tech, yahoo.com slash tech. I do a Q&A column. That's normally every Sunday at usatoday.com. Uh, I show up in various other places. I did the guide at the Wirecutter. You can find me. I've done a couple of pieces at VentureBeat lately. One of them reviewed the Moto 360 smartwatch. Uh, my own blog is com,
0: and I'm on Twitter as at Rob Peguero. You can find us on Twitter. We are known as at... Tech Night Owl. Tech Night Owl on Twitter. Go to technightowl.com. Check out episodes going back to as far back as 2007. We have older ones, but I don't think anybody cares about those anymore. You can also check out our other radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night. And this weekend, we'll be talking to Robert Salas, former Air Force captain who had some amazing UFO related encounters. Powercast.com. That's powercast.com. This is the Tech Night Owl Live. Rob Peguerero, thanks for joining us on the show. Thanks for having me.
17: The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.